0: Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature, and can be disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, there is very, very adult content ahead, and, well, you've been warned. Grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we're jumping back into a good old mysterious disappearance. And in honor of this newfound freedom, tonight's choice of libations is also in your capable hands, so choose wisely. Alright, let's go ahead and get the game portion out of the way. That's right, we will be playing our drinking game, but please remember that the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go to tonight, because I'm such a loser, I know, it is what it is. Alright, so now for the game part, every time I say Timothy, that's going to be a single shot, and every time I say Illinois, well, that's going to be a double shot. Alrighty, my heathens. Now that we have taken care of business, we can settle in and dive into the mysterious disappearance of Timothy Pitson. You will never find him. That was the startling claim in the suicide note discovered in a Rockford, Illinois hotel room the morning of May 14, 2011. Police said that the note was penned by Amy Fry Pitson the mother of a then six-year-old Timothy who had been missing since Pitson signed him out of his kindergarten class just three days earlier. Timothy wasn't with his mom when her body was found, but the note said he was safe, that he was with people who would care for him, and that he would never be found. The Pitsons lived in Aurora, Illinois, and by all accounts were An average family. Timothy was described as extroverted and energetic, a happy and playful child. Amy and her husband Jim were going through a bit of a rough patch, but Jim would later tell People magazine that he had no clue about what was about to happen. Jim said that Amy had previously survived a suicide attempt and had been taking medication for depression. He said that the couple had been arguing before Timothy's disappearance because Amy had taken a cruise with a friend for her birthday, leaving Jim behind. Saying goodbye is something we do almost every day, but we don't think of it in any type of a permanent sense. When we go to school, work, or leave the house for any amount of time, we usually say goodbye to somebody with the assumption that, well, we're going to see them again later on in the day. These were the thoughts of James Pitson when he dropped his six-year-old son, Timothy, off at Greenman Elementary School in Aurora, Illinois, in May of 2011. Jim watched his six-year-old run toward his kindergarten teacher, swinging his Spider-Man backpack. Jim told him to be a good boy and that he loved him, and then he was gone. About 30 minutes later, Amy showed up at the school She told staff that there was a family emergency and she signed out her son. Security footage shows them leaving the school around 8.30 a.m. Jim had no idea that Timothy had left school. He only found out when he came back to pick up his son at the end of the day. Jim checked the house and Amy's work. He called her phone, but it went straight to voicemail. And the next morning, May the 12th, 2011, Jim reported both of them missing. Amy never returned Jim's calls, but she did check in with her mother. She told her mom that they were both fine, that they would be home in a day or two. She said that she just needed some space. She also called Jim's brother. She told him as well that everything was fine, but stated, Timothy belongs to me. And while friends and family were frantically searching for Amy and Timothy... The mother and son were on a vacation of sorts. They went to a zoo near Chicago, a water park in Gurney, Illinois, and then to a resort in Wisconsin, and surveillance footage showed them walking hand in hand. In fact, Timothy was following his mom and playing with what looked like a semi-truck on the floor. He appeared happy and didn't seem to be in any distress Amy also apparently bought Timothy toys on this trip, including a blue Hot Wheels starter set and pretend gold coins decorated with animals. Timothy was last seen on security camera footage at about 10 a.m. on May 13, 2011, when he and his mom checked out of the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin. Shortly after 8 p.m. that night, Amy was spotted on surveillance video at a grocery store in Rockford, Illinois. She was alone and checked into a hotel around 11.15 p.m. that night. Amy Fry-Pitson, Timothy's mother, took her own life, and the note that she left behind said that her son was with someone he loved and would never be found. A housekeeper found her body the next morning, Police would later say she had self-inflicted cuts on her neck and wrists and a lethal dose of drugs in her systems. She was only 42. And on the bed were photos of Timothy and a note. Amy also wrote two more letters, one to her mother and one to a friend. In the note found in the room, Amy expressed that Timothy was safe, but that he would never be found. In the note to her mother, Amy wrote... I have taken Timothy somewhere safe, and he loves you. Please know that there is nothing you could have said or done that would have changed my mind." Amy's tombstone describes her in two words, loving mother. She named her son Timothy with two M's because she wanted him to feel special. She just adored that little boy, and he just adored her, her mother, Alana Anderson, told reporters. But there are indications that Timothy's disappearance was planned. Amy's cell phone showed one of her last calls pinged off a cell tower near Sterling, Illinois. Using toll records, police found that Amy had made two trips to that area earlier in that month. Despite a massive effort early on, intense publicity, and an extensive search for Timothy, the case seemed to go quickly cold. There were, however, some revelations in the following years that authorities believed could lead to Timothy. In 2012, police released more surveillance footage that helped map Amy's final moves. In 2013, her cell phone was turned in. A woman had found the phone on the side of the road in Illinois in 2011, but had not realized its significance. The phone sat on a shelf for two years until the woman gave it to her brother when he needed a new phone. Once it was turned on, a family friend recognized some of the names in the contact list. Ultimately, though, nothing came of it. Still hope and headlines persisted. In 2015, police pursued a tip after a Florida caller said that there was a boy in her neighborhood who looked a lot like an age-progressed image of Timothy that had been produced by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The caller said that the boy had moved into her neighborhood soon after Timothy's disappearance, according to a Chicago Tribune report. She also said that the family's vehicle had a Midwestern license plate and that the boy never went to school. Aurora investigators agreed the boy did look a lot like the progress photograph, but it wasn't Timothy. Through the years, Jim has publicly said that he believed his son was alive and out there somewhere. He even kept working on a treehouse he was building for Timothy. Jim said he didn't understand why Timothy hadn't tried to call him, wondering what exactly Amy might have told their son during those days in May of 2011. Jim told People Magazine that he and Amy had taught Timothy how to call 911. They even gave him an identification card made for children with Timothy's name, picture, and fingerprint so if he got lost, he could be found. Unfortunately, though, that identification card was found in the hotel room where Amy died. James has never gotten any answers regarding what happened to Timmy. For years, he has had questions of who, where, why, and how going through his mind every minute of every day. There are several pieces of evidence that have been collected over the years, The first of which is that Amy had an iPass on her car. For those of us that don't know, an iPass is a device showing which toll booths your car has passed through that sends a bill at the end of a given time period. And her iPass showed that early in the year, Amy had made two trips, one in February and one in March, to the hotel where she died and some of the other more rural locations that she visited on the final trip with Timmy. There were no obvious reasons as to why she went to these places in particular. Also, the iPass pass itself was never found, but from previous bills they were able to piece together previous trips that made investigators believe Amy's final trip was, in fact, pre-planned for several months at least. Something interesting is the analysis of the vegetation found on Amy's car. The car was dirty with mud and grass and forensic tests were able to determine that the car had likely been parked on a gravelly area for some time. The plants they figured would have been in the area were Queen Anne's lace and black mustard plants and there would have been few trees. It was possible there was a small body of water such as a pond nearby. It was likely a meadow which had never had any crop growing or mowing done. Investigators believe that it's likely in Lee County or Whiteside County in northwestern Illinois. However, after extensive searching of the area, no signs of Timmy were found. There was some blood found on the back seat of the car, which was matched to Timmy. However, Timmy was known to suffer nosebleeds, and this was likely to come from one he had had not long before the trip. The blood was also dried and far too old to have come from a recent wound or cut and the blade that Amy had used to kill herself was not found to have any of Timmy's blood on it either. Sometime in autumn of 2013, Amy's cell phone was found on the side of Route 78. This finding brought new hope for the case, but after extensively searching the area where the phone was found, as well as any clues on the phone itself, it unfortunately did not lead investigators to any answers regarding Timmy's whereabouts. But the greatest pieces of evidence in this case were, for obvious reasons, the notes that Amy left. They create a lot of debate in this case surrounding the most important question, is Timothy still alive? And there really is so much supporting evidence for both sides, so I thought maybe we should go through them. As for Timmy being alive, the supporting evidence, Amy's family and her own husband say that she would never hurt Timmy. There's no physical evidence that any harm came to him. Amy even bought toys and clothes for Timmy on the road, so why would she do this if all she was planning to do was to kill him? Amy said that Timmy was safe. However, it's hard to say how much weight Amy's word really has here or what she actually meant by this. Given Amy's state of mind, she could mean that Timmy Timmy was safe from her husband, but he's actually dead. It could be interpreted in many different ways. And as for Timmy not being alive any longer, and I'm praying that's not the case, Amy's clothing that she was wearing on the morning of the 13 was missing from the hotel room where she was found, and it indicates that sometime between 10am and 7.25pm, the times when she was seen on security footage wearing different clothing that day, Amy may have killed Timmy, perhaps got his blood on her clothes and disposed of them. Amy was suffering from severe mental illness. Given how badly she was struggling, there is a strong possibility that perhaps she was in a delusional state and thought by ending Timmy's life she was, in fact, helping him or doing what she thought was the right thing. Parents can kill their kids regardless of how much Amy's family said she loved Timmy. I'm praying that's not the truth though. Amy and James were having problems in their marriage, and as mentioned previously, Amy didn't like to be told what to do, which may be the reason for the trip she and Timmy took before her death. Was it possible that Amy resented her husband so much that she killed their own son to spite him? It's a horrible thing to comprehend, but perhaps Amy, knowing that she was going to go through with killing herself, was in the mindset of, if I can't have Timmy, no one can. We don't know and ed- everything going on in the marriage and can only speculate based on what we've listened to or read the fact is that in amy's depressed state she was selfish and angry with her husband whom she felt deep down was more capable of looking after their son than she was she desperately wanted to prove her family and others wrong she could take care of her son by keeping him somewhere safe at the same time punishing her husband perhaps for things they fought over that we don't even know anything about. She did, however, succeed in inflicting the worst kind of punishment not only on her husband but on her other family members who loved Timmy by writing that Timmy will never be found. It gives a glimmer of hope that he is still alive, but they will never see him again. For Timmy's dad, The not knowing is almost worse than knowing that he's dead. If he knew Timmy was dead, he wouldn't have the constant wondering every day about where Timmy is, and if he will ever see him again. If he knew Timmy had died, he could at least have some kind of closure and be able to move on with his life to some degree. There are some theories out there that Amy gave Timmy to a devoutly religious family or community that do not use technology. For example, an Amish community of which there are several which live in the remote areas that Amy would have passed through on her trips to the remote areas she visited. I just find it really hard to believe that someone would agree to just take a child, no questions asked, and keep it a secret from the rest of the world. Also, the fact that Amy was able to completely cover up any signs that she had even communicated with the person she was planning to hand him off to is just difficult to comprehend. And this case is so very frustrating because there is so much speculation and so few things that we actually know for sure. And for, t- for Timmy's family, my heart and prayers go out to you. I can't even imagine the enormous pain you have to go through every day. And I hope one day, very soon, you get the answers you deserve. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of our episode. And I thank you for joining me here today. I hope that you'll take the time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. You can always reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for future shows, or if you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line because I do answer every email. And on that note, well, that's all the time we have for today. And I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time, my heathens. Love you. Mwah.